0: Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Rossifari Zoo News, your look at everything going on in the world of zoos, aquariums, conservation, and general animal weirdness every week. I'm excited to have you all back here for another episode, and uh, please keep in mind, this is... Uh, a crowdsourced type of episode. So if you happen to see any zoo news or animal news that you think might be worthwhile, go ahead and tag me in it on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Rossafari or on TikTok at Rossafari Pod or email it to me, Ross pod at gmail.com. And if you do so, I'll say your name at the end of the episode. Exciting stuff indeed. So, um, I am currently recording this episode in Phoenix, Arizona, and y'all, I came here from Buffalo, New York. Now, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a bit of a blizzard in Buffalo last week, the worst storm the uh, Buffalo area has seen at least since 1970, maybe even before then, and um it was uh, it was cold, y'all. Snow is cold. And, and now I'm in Phoenix, and it's not, and I like it. I like it a lot. As a matter of fact, I remember uh, when I first started traveling and touring to play the drums, my first gig that was not a, like, local gig for me was in White River Junction, Vermont, in the winter— And uh, my mom, jokingly, possibly, told me that she would know how my career was going and when I had really gotten established because I would start going south or west for the uh, the winter and escaping the cold. And uh, yeah, the last couple of years, I have done mostly that and have enjoyed the heck out of it. So uh, while, while I think she was joking, um, I have to admit having the ability to occasionally get out of the crazy winter weather and get to places like Phoenix or Los Angeles and San Diego where I spent uh, last winter, or Sarasota, Florida, where I spent the winter before that, uh, gigging. It, it's 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 a good time, y'all. I think I'm doing something right. <laughs> And since I know that y'all are kind of interested in, in some of the stuff going on in my life and how all of this stuff works, um, you know, one of the funny things about traveling so much is that you never actually really know where you're going to be when you're doing things like, oh, I don't know, recording a podcast episode. Um, and so, you know, some of you guys who have been with me for a while know I have recorded these uh, at theaters at my station, which is what they call it, where you you go and you have your mirror and your lights and you, you get into your costume and all of that stuff. I have recorded these in houses where we have been housed in hotel rooms i've done these on um on a tour bus in the back lounge i even recorded a very quick update uh on my iphone in a hospital bathroom once um it's it's always a game and so like in phoenix the whole band is being housed in one vrbo it's this gorgeous big house, but it doesn't have any, like, desk-type surfaces. So I'm currently recording this because most of the band went to the gym. My buddy Ben, our bassist, is upstairs, and I hope not mad at me that he's hearing me do this right now. But yeah, I just commandeered the kitchen table. And um, sometimes when there's nothing like this available, I just sit on my bed and lean awkwardly into my mic and, and you know, get a stiff back from recording. It's, it's always a game. Um, and I just I wanted to share that with y'all because I think it's so fun to think about the fact that like you just never know not only where i'm recording from in terms of where in the country I am at any given time because of the music thing, but also just because even if I am in a certain place, I might be in a very weird position or hiding out in an unused dressing room or trying to find, um, oh gosh, when we were in, uh, what was it? Uh, actually it was when we were out here last time at a different VRBO in Phoenix. Um, I used the closet of my bedroom that I had, which was really creepy. And had a bunch of like old dolls and weird like baby furniture in it. Um, and I had to stand to record and do it on a like tall dresser. But yeah, we always get the podcast done. Um, but it's it's sometimes quite a journey and quite a funny thing to make it happen. So I just thought I'd share that with you all. All right, enough about me. Let's get to it. The news. The news. It's the news. Zoos, zoos. Whoa, 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 whoa. all right so I'm going to start off this week's zoo news segment by um
1: John John oh my gosh wait
0: what wait what 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 is happening here
1: I have some of the most exciting zoo news of all time
0: Colleen this is my podcast you can't just like all right whatever go ahead
1: hey everybody Colleen Adams here. Uh, thanks for letting me cut in.
0: I mean, I didn't really let you cut in, but whatever, go ahead, introduce yourself.
1: I'm a zookeeper from the Cincinnati Zoo, home of Isla the Tamandua, and her brand new baby! Woo! The whole zoo is buzzing with the news of new pup, who was born a little after midnight on January 5th, which I watched via live feed um, from one of our security cameras, Mom and baby are doing well, spending all of their time bonding and being really cute.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Congratulations. Is it a boy or a girl?
1: We won't know pups' gender for a while now, as Tamandoah babies can be difficult to sex. So for future pup dates... No, no, no. Pup dates. Oh, yeah. Follow the Cincinnati Zoo's social media accounts and follow me on Instagram at zookeepercolleen. Okay, John, back to you.
0: Oh, thanks, Colleen. That was awesome. And thanks for interrupting my podcast. Weirdly. And definitely not doing it with a pre-recorded thing that I cut up to make it sound like we were in the same place at the same time because technology. So thank you for that. Yay. Uh, anyway, but um, I thought I would start, you know, the part of the episode that I'm allowed to have now by sharing news that isn't about a zoo it's not even really news. But uh, I recently got an email from Kevin Williams, who is a regular listener and um, also sends me stuff for Zoo News literally every week. I know you recognize the name if you make it to the end, because it's there every week. And uh, he was telling me a little bit about what's going on in his life. And um, he mentioned that he is able to contribute to multiple zoos, aquariums, and conservation organizations. um, And that thanks to his employer, he's able to link to several of them as payroll deductions. And frequently companies have company matches. Um, so take the time to look into your employers if you're not a, you know, goofy musician who just flits around the country trying to get work like I am um, and and see if they have any kind of matching giving programs and um, see what kind of conservation groups are available on them and also how to add new organizations to the mix because some employers will let you do that. Um, this is just something that I thought was really was really, really cool. Um, there are some employers that use companies like EasyGive or Grant, and uh, those companies make this really easy to happen. And it, it, if you have company matches and stuff, it can make a really big Difference to the organizations that you are able to support, and it doesn't even have to be a lot of money. Um, Kevin told me how much he is pulling per you know pay period, and I'm not going to put that out here, but it's it's not like he's breaking the bank. It's it's a small. You know, amount of money, but he is able to give hundreds of dollars to nine different conservation organizations this upcoming year alone through the company match and through payroll deductions. And I think that is really special. And uh, honestly, something I've never thought about talking about on the podcast, because again, I don't really have things like that in my life. So um, if you are listening to this and you want to know how to help, you know, conservation organizations, zoos, that kind of stuff, check that out, look into that. And maybe if your employer doesn't do that. Encourage them to. All right. So, getting into the actual zoo news part of zoo news, um, we're going to start off by talking about Aurora, the polar bear at the Columbus Zoo, who earlier this year—nope, that's a lie. This is a new year. Who? late last year, was involved in a groundbreaking conservation effort um, where they tried artificial insemination on Aurora. And unfortunately, this time it did not work. Uh, Aurora is fine. Um, she is denning still. And it is expected that she will emerge from her den around January 4th. But it will be without a cub, also known as a pullet or bearlet. And um, unfortunately, yeah, it just didn't take this time. But this was an awesome effort between the Columbus Zoo and crew at Cincinnati Zoo and some other organizations. And, uh, you know, hopefully they learned a lot. And even though the AI didn't take, maybe it will next time. The San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance recently had an incredible float in the Rose Bowl Parade that took place on January 2nd this year. Uh, It's really beautiful. Um, There are some cool rhinos on it and giraffes and a a bunch of the animals from, you know, the safari park. And um, one of of my favorite things coming up in an upcoming episode is that the... The person in charge of animal health at the safari park, who is going to be on the pod, um, actually helped to decorate the float like this. These are people who just, you know, have their normal jobs and stuff. And then they go and do this kind of thing, which is awesome. And uh, you'll laugh when you hear the story. There's there's a specific comment that uh, is made that cracked me up. Um, But it's really cool. And it was really beautiful work and just amazing. And they actually won the animation award. Um, at the parade this year, which is awesome. I assume that is the award for best animation, although, you know, who can say these days? Uh, And actually... Uh, The new Wild Kingdom TV show that is returning that features many um, accredited zoos as well also had a float uh, in the Rose Parade. And um, they won the Isabella Coleman Award, which is an award that um, is for the most outstanding presentation of color and color harmony through floral design. So congratulations to the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance and to Wild Kingdom. One of the things I find myself constantly intrigued by when it comes to the discussion about climate change is just the unexpected, unintended consequences of it. And uh, the Oakland Zoo is currently suffering from one of those right now. Although, don't worry, all of the animals and workers are safe. Uh, But as you all probably know, there have been just... Unprecedented amounts of rain all throughout the country, including even in the Bay Area in California this year. Again, last year and this year. Um, I'm, I'm bad at the New Year thing, guys, but it's, it's fine. Anyway, um, and so because of that, there is now a sinkhole, um, on a road that you need to take to get to the entrance to the Oakland Zoo. It is a 10 feet wide, and 10 feet deep sinkhole that is completely impassable to vehicles. And as such, the Oakland Zoo is closed until at least January 17th or possibly later. So, you know, this is just such a sad example of what's going on right now because, um... You know, there are zoos that have had to close because of the winter storm. The Buffalo Zoo was closed. They were only going to be open for one full week this winter, and it was the winter break week, you know, between Christmas and New Year's. And they had to lose all of that income because they had to stay closed the entire time. Now the Oakland Zoo is going to lose two to three weeks of income because of a sinkhole. Uh, These problems just keep compounding and it makes it harder and harder for zoos to operate efficiently. And of course, you know, again, the good, the accredited zoos still do and they figure it out and they take care of their animals and they take care of their people. Um, You know, and they still try and find ways to make sure that extra money gets to conservation and all of that stuff. It's all wildly important. The research that's being done, all of this stuff is very important, but it's also very expensive, y'all. And um, so, yeah, hopefully uh, everything stays okay at the Oakland Zoo. Uh, But it's just, it's just sad that yet again, because of climate change, there are these issues that that we don't even think about when we think about climate change right away uh, and that are directly impacting zoos. One thing that I continue to find fascinating and will always mention on here when I see it happening is just the obsession over Fiona the hippo, who we all love, let's be honest, um, but, and, and the weird way that that obsession shows up sometimes in, um, You know, in in fans and especially in people who are fans of Fiona, but that hasn't really extended to learning anything about, you know, zoos and stuff like that. And uh yet again, Fiona is is stirring up trouble as she does. Uh this time not because she's, you know, mating with, with Tucker, although that has continued, but because um she has a cut on her face. It's a small cut, it will heal. It's natural. Y'all see how they play. I know that if you're listening to this podcast, you've at least seen some of those pictures of Fritz and Fiona, where Fritz is literally, like, you know, biting her. But playfully, it's fine. Anyway, Fiona has a cut on her face. And according to some of her fans, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. And so yet again, the Cincinnati Zoo needed to put out a social media post saying, hey, we are aware that Fiona has a cut. And it's fine. Vets are aware. Everything's fine. Hippos get cuts. They're pretty sturdy animals. Um, You know, it's really interesting. I mean, I think about this, and I think about the fact that Fiona it has brought so much fame and so much attention and, and probably millions and millions of dollars, uh, into that zoo to go to herself and the other animals and the staff and conservation efforts. And like that baby hippo being born premature and then surviving has had a huge impact on the Cincinnati area, the Cincinnati zoo conservation. Um, you know, I know a ton of people downloaded the Fiona episode when I got to go and hang out with her for a bit. And, um, yeah, it's it's really cool, and all of the good certainly, certainly outweighs this kind of thing. There, there's no denying that. But also, sometimes I wonder if the social media team or the keepers at the Cincy Zoo sometimes might think to themselves, holy crap, people, we know what we're doing, shut up. And I'm not saying they do. I can honestly say that in talking to Jenna, one of Fiona's main keepers, and also to the social media team there, who has been wildly helpful with the podcast and everything, um, I've never heard a single complaint. I, I not not on the record, not off the record, nothing. But I do have to wonder, as I see all these things happening, if it's not challenging. To To have a couple million people in the world who think that they know more than you and are the experts on, you know, a hippo, because of course, these people think that. Uh, But yeah, so anyway, just another little fun Fiona moment. Our good friends at the Brevard Zoo in Florida recently closed the books on their first year of attempting to breed the critically endangered Florida grasshopper sparrow. Now, you may remember Kelly Courier from way back uh, in the first season who was on talking about her work with the Turtle Survival Alliance, mentioning that despite the fact that she worked with critically endangered turtles, her favorite animal and favorite conservation story was the one around the Florida grasshopper sparrow. Well, Kelly is actually now on the team at Brevard Zoo that is working to save this species, which I just think is ridiculously incredible. But the story is not about Kelly. It's about the zoo helping these birds. So the Florida grasshopper sparrow has lost approximately 85% of its natural habitat to agriculture. Um, There are also issues with um, non-native species like fire ants and also uh, disease and um, habitat fragmentation leading to genetic bottlenecking, which are, are causing huge issues with these birds. And in 2021, only a little over 100 sparrows were detected in their natural range. So back in 2019, the Brevard Zoo got their first grasshopper sparrows that they were going to have behind the scenes just to try to, you know, breed and save. And um, the birds did well, although there were uh, no fertile eggs laid during that season. So in 2020, uh, the Brevard Zoo thought that what they should do is have an outdoor sparrow habitat that more closely mirrored um, the native prairies where the birds live. And uh, so they they put out a campaign to try and raise more money and over $100,000 was raised and they built a brand new habitat, which uh, the birds were able to move to in March of 2021. And it was Very, very exciting. The birds seemed to do everything really, really well. Uh, And so at that point, um, experts were able to do the genetic match type thing that, you know, we do with the SSP and all that stuff. And there were four pairs of sparrows that were matched to breed. And um, everyone got really hopeful. And sure enough, it was successful. The four pairs combined did nest building, laid eggs, the birds hatched, chicks were moved out, and then they continued to do it. And by the conclusion of the breeding season, 43 sparrows had been born that were able to be released back into the wild. Now think about that. This is a population that is stuck at around 100 members that from one zoo intervening, got a 43 bird boost. That's, I mean, roughly a 43% increase in the wild population just from one zoo. That is astonishing. And of course, because the zoo learned since this was the first year that they were able to do breeding, the expectation is that they will probably be even better at this next year. So this is a huge step forward for the Florida grasshopper sparrow and just an amazing story out of Brevard Zoo. And actually, we're going to throw it back to the Oakland Zoo for our last story in zoo news this week, Um, because they're doing the thing again. Yet again, a mountain lion cub was discovered, critically ill and uh, in the wild, and this was in North Carolina? Yes, North Carolina. And the Oakland Zoo opened up its arms— figuratively, and uh, its back entrance since the front entrance is blocked by a sinkhole and took in the mountain lion cub. Uh, They are working on stabilizing and helping the cub be healthy. Her name is Holly in honor of the holidays. And uh, it seems like everything's going to be okay. She's eating on her own. She's playing at night, but she is too injured to be re-released into the wild. So I'm not sure what's going to happen there yet. Uh, She may stay at the Oakland Zoo or she may join, you know, a population at another facility. But the Oakland Zoo just keeps doing this and they're so good at it. This is the 22nd Mountain Lion cub that the facility has received in the past five years um, when I was at the Oakland Zoo last year I was talking to a keeper at the uh, mountain lion exhibit and they're just so proud of the work they do with these animals it's it's really beautiful to see um, so yeah just just another awesome story out of the Oakland Zoo stereotypical animal podcasting song here to bring it to conservation news An eco-engineering startup named Archie Reef is setting out to help save coral reefs in the Hong Kong area. The waters around Hong Kong are subtropical, and um, because of that, more coral species actually live in those waters uh, than live in the Caribbean. Uh, Unfortunately... They are dying off at an accelerated rate, just like, you know, all coral everywhere because we are killing coral. Um, and it's, it's really problematic. But apparently the waters around there used to be crystal clear and you could just see coral everywhere, like a true paradise. Think like Great Barrier Reef back in the day, that kind of thing. And it is very much no longer that. So um, Archer Reef is working on this new thing where they started 3D printing artificial reef tiles made from terracotta. They are non-toxic and they are biodegradable. The, uh, the team at Archer Reef put tiles on the um, bottom of a protected bay around Hong Kong and then seeded them with living coral. And two years later, 95% of that coral is still alive and thriving that is a huge deal this idea of like coral tiles is brand new so we'll see what the long-term effects are but um on the surface or under it because it's it's under the water yeah yeah no anyone no anyway um is a brand new idea and it's really cool to see this and we'll, we'll we'll see what comes of it but so far so good The Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission recently discovered three new large, including one over 100 pound, Alligator snapping turtles from a species that was only recently discovered. The species does not have a common name yet, and I am not going to try to say the scientific name for you all because it is a crazy one even for me who's pretty good at that. But um, it's a really beautiful uh, kind of orange species of alligator snapping turtle. And um, these three individuals show that the species not only, you know, exists in more than the one or two that have been found before, but also is thriving because these are three very large snapping turtles. And they were actually discovered in an area of water where, um, because it's kind of still water and stuff, you wouldn't actually expect turtles to get to that size. So it's, it's a really good sign that they are able to, to thrive. So um, it, it's pretty exciting news for a, a relatively newly discovered alligator snapping turtle species. Okay, okay, we're going to try it. Macrochellus suwaniensis. Macrocellus suwaniensis. I'm sticking with it. In talking about all of the crazy weather that we have experienced around the country lately, I have another story for you. Um, so in the buffalo blizzard that I got to drive through recently, um, 16 birds got stuck in ice along the waterfront of LaSalle Park when a local couple came to the rescue. Seamus Gallivan and Alex MacArthur were out on a walk when they noticed something weird in the snow. It was a gull that was stuck there. And so they ran home and they got a hammer and they were able to hammer around the ice and set the gull free. ...which then made them think, oh, geez, what if other birds are stuck? And so they kept walking and uh, eventually ended up going back and getting uh, more hammers and chisels... ...and then even a bottle filled with warm salt water. And in total, they found 16 birds that had been frozen and were able to free them all. Fifteen flew away immediately... And one was not doing so well, so they uh, they actually took that bird home. And um, they were able to get it to warm up and to uh, seem more alert. So they took it back outside, and it immediately flew away. So props to this amazing couple that saved 16 birds during a blizzard. It's time for other news. It's time for other news.
1: Hey, no, right now, right now, then, now it's time. It's time for other news. Hey, it's a segue to.
0: All right, so we have talked on here before about the fact that fireworks are really problematic for animals in the wild. Um, they cause birds to get disoriented and lost and and fall. They cause um, tree dwelling animals, especially babies, to get scared and fall out of their various nests or holes or whatever. And um, it's it's really tough because I know that um, uh, you know a lot of people love fireworks. Um, but they're just—they're really bad for animals. It's—it's it's really problematic, and honestly, since I learned about how bad they are, I've kind of gone from thinking they were cool, if not slightly annoying and distracting when people do them at you know 3 a.m. when I'm trying to sleep, uh, to to just really, really loathing them. Uh, and and so it's it's kind of nice to hear this next story, which is that um, a town named Scarborough Harbor recently decided to cancel their New Year's Eve fireworks because of a walrus. I've mentioned Thor the walrus before. He is a wandering Arctic walrus that uh, tends to get a little bit closer to to people and and onto land and such than maybe he should. Um, But he happened to be wandering and uh, stopped at this town to take a nap. And the town decided that it would freak him out to have um, fireworks. So they canceled their show for one walrus. And I love this. I love this so much. Um, Thor is an amazing walrus. But also, you know, I can't help but wish that more towns would realize that, you know, they should do something like that. Even if you don't have a famous walrus that decides to show up and visit, uh, like, dogs get scared. Squirrels get scared. Birds get scared. Fireworks are are kind of a a relic at this point, in in my opinion. Um, And hey, look, I just want to be perfectly clear. I am saying this with no judgment to you. If you like fireworks, if you think, hey, it's only a couple times a year, whatever. Look, we don't judge here, okay? Well, that's not true. We judge harshly here about certain things. But not not this. I get, and we talk about a lot on here, that that conservation and loving animals and all that stuff – it's a balance that everyone has to strike their own tone. I am not a vegetarian or a vegan. Um, you know, some people would say that means I don't love animals, and y'all know that's not true. We're all on our own journeys, and so um, I know I'm soapboxing here a little bit, but I promise if if you were like, hey, you know what? I like fireworks. I wouldn't be like, bad person. I would just be like, okay, that, that's fine. Some of my favorite people really love fireworks and get excited about them, and I get it. So no judgment, but I did want to share that story and say that maybe, hopefully, it will make other towns think about you know other animals that aren't as charismatic as thor the walrus and now it is time for the final story of zoo news and this is possibly my favorite story of the week um shouldn't be but it is um and this has some foul language in it we're gonna drop an f-bomb y'all so if there are young ears listening maybe you want to distract uh or or wait till later or just skip ahead like a minute whatever but um I recently attended... A performance of the national tour of Elf the Musical when it was in Buffalo. My buddy Justin, who's actually on the gig with me in Phoenix right now, uh, is a, a sax player and a Reeds player, and, and he was Reeds one on that tour, and I went to support him and see the show. It was great, by the way, in case you were wondering. But anyway, there is a time where um, they discuss the fact that Santa no longer uses reindeer, and the reason why is because PETA, the people for the ethical treatment of animals, uh, that's their name anyway, uh, intervened. And so now he's not allowed to use his reindeer anymore. And it's, it's just a funny little throwaway joke that gets mentioned twice. And, uh, the, you know, this is why the people who call themselves animal rights activists, the people that I call anti-captivity people, because animal rights activists just sounds way better than what they do do pita has like never saved you know an actual endangered species or anything like that uh but this this is why they just they just kill me there's just there's just no fun there's no chill in any of them ever and so as i'm sitting in this theater and santa makes his joke and he goes you know blah 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 thanks pita and this voice just rings out from the back fuck you santa I mean, seriously, at Elf, everyone there was wearing, like, Christmas sweaters and stuff. It was a day or two after Christmas, and somebody had the audacity to shout, fuck you, Santa, because of a joke about PETA. It was my favorite thing that has ever happened at a show, ever. And I just wanted to share that story with y'all, but I do think on a deeper level, it it kind of goes to show how, like, it's so hard to dialogue with some of these really extreme and misinformed people because they just, they don't have humor about it. They don't have the ability to step back and say, hey, this is a silly musical, and they needed to come up with a reason why we can't have, you know, actual reindeer on a Stage touring reindeer would be rather challenging, Uh, and and you know, it's it's fine, everybody breathe, it's fine, um, but it's really hard for me to not uh, just call this episode that, uh, as the the title, but I'm not going to because you know, again, I know that not everyone likes that word, so yeah, that is that is my story of Elf the musical making Rasafari Zoo News. Animal,
1: animal, animal, holidays, animal, animal.
0: So uh, I guess we're still ramping up slowly because uh, it, is, it is only one animal holiday that you get this week. So on the 10th, it is Save the Eagles Day. So um, go, go save some eagles, especially if they're frozen in the snow in Buffalo. And that is your animal holiday for the week. <coughs> All right, so there you have it, folks. Another episode of Rosafari Zoo News is in the books. Um, and hey, it's the, it's the first one of the new year, so that's exciting. I would like to say thanks to my Red Panda-level patrons, Lara Schenk and Kristen Dickey, and also to everyone who contributed stories this week. Anya Keen, Colleen Lenahan, Kim Cooley, Carrie Kirkpatrick, Kevin Williams, Kristen Khalil, and Marianne Rossi that's my mom also it's weird that so many people who contribute to Zoo News, especially my regular contributors have C or K names look at that we've got Keen Colleen Kim Cooley Carrie Kirk Patrick Kevin Kristen Khalil it's just it's, it's so many K's and C's it's, it's crazy y'all yeah i know i know that wasn't that wasn't worth saying but hey you're here and you love me whether you want to admit it or not and i'm appreciative of the fact that you are here so um hey until next time remember friends the words newsy credits backwards are steiderk yeswen the rossafari podcast is produced hosted and engineered by john rossi editing and fact checking by john and dr zoe Vesley gross our theme song is sevens by nathan burke performed by nathan and john Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at Rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.